Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Camels and needles. Mark chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, come on, open with me. Camels and needles. We're getting back into our series Rabbi, part two was called Foxes and Birds, but today, Camels and Needles, hopefully the title will begin to make sense soon, but I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 10 in the Passion Translation, and the reason I'm doing that is because I want some of these stories to come alive. I want some of these maybe passages of Scripture that you've read as a kid maybe, or your whole life to come alive and for God to illuminate them to to us, to show us new things about what he's doing, what he's saying, how he's speaking to us. But I'm reading from Mark chapter 10. And in verse 17, Jesus encounters a man, a rich man, a man of wealthy status, a man of social pedigree. And this is a moment we see in the scriptures where Jesus, walking in that role of being and considered a rabbi, begins to teach. So here we go, verse 17 Mark chapter 10, hopefully you're there. If you're not, it's okay, it'll be behind me. Here we go. As Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him. Kneeling down in front of him, he cried out, Good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus responded, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You already know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not cheat and honour your father and your mother. Verse 20, the man said to Jesus, Teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man, I love this, with tender love and said to him, Yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go, Sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all of your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad. Other translations say he walked away crestfallen, disappointed, sad of heart, for he was extremely rich. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples and said, how hard is it for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. The disciples were startled when they heard this, but Jesus said to them, children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom. Verse 25, it is easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom. In the ESV, it says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle Then a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Let's pray right now. Lord, we thank you for your word today, Father. We pray that you would illuminate your word to us. You would show us something new. You would teach us today. 
God, we thank you that Jesus and his words and his teaching, he is our great teacher and he's showing us so many things. So Jesus, we're grateful for these words. Jesus, we thank you for a touch today from these words into our lives, Lord, as we fix our eyes on you. God, I pray that you would breathe life into our lives today. Father, I just thank you that this doesn't have to be another Sunday in church. This doesn't have to be another week we've already experienced. This can be a new day, a new week, God. One verse can change our lives. One word from God can change us forever. So God, we believe for that. And Father, we thank you for colonial kids. Lord, we thank you for the mighty generation that's being raised up in our house, God. Father, we prophesy, we speak your goodness into their lives, Lord. Every promise from heaven, Father, we declare it's theirs. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in that part of our church in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Rabbi, the teachings of Jesus. Quick recap. The beginning of the series was looking at Jesus, fitting the description perfectly, by the way, of a first century Jewish rabbi. That's the role that he was in. That's how he walked. That's how he talked. That's how he did life. And he would take his disciples, his Talmudim, his students, with him, this motley crew of students, not like normal students, by the way. I mean, think of some of the people, tax collectors, zealots, commercial fishermen, all kinds of people. But Jesus was walking, teaching as a rabbi, and it was this intense personal system of education. It wasn't like just going and getting a class. This was like, hey, you're leaving everything you know to go and be with this rabbi, to go and learn from this rabbi, to go and study with this rabbi, to go and walk closely with this rabbi, to consider everything that the rabbi said. Now, I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus as a disciple. I feel like that's a parallel for us today, that when it comes to following Jesus, it's meant to be the same intense personal relationship and system of education. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? This is what God has allowed us to have with Jesus. And then part two, I talked about foxes and birds and how Jesus knows what's best and how the foxes and the birds represent so much more than just literal animals. It represents the work and crafty deceit of the enemy and the work of the enemy in our lives and how following Jesus and being secure in him means that there might be trouble in the world. Jesus said, I've got nowhere to lay my head. What he was saying was, he's like, hey, I don't know where I'm gonna sleep tonight, but you're better off with me. Because for eternity, your security needs to be in me. So here we go, part three, camels and needles. Jesus says this, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. This was a particular style of teaching that rabbis use. This was a particular style of contrast teaching. It was to, to make one thing so large that it makes it impossible to miss the clarity and the gravity and the weight and the meaning of the message. Another example is in the Gospels. We see one, a great example of how rabbis used to teach. They used to teach with this how much more theory or this how much more style of teaching. Let me show you one that you, you would know. We sang about it this morning. This is a how much more teachings, verse 27 of Luke 12. Consider the lilies, how they grow. This is Jesus speaking. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory, here it is, the big, was not arrayed by uh, like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass 
which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? The lilies being the smallest thing, the grass being the smallest thing, contrasted with the largest thing, which is the provision of God for human life, which is of so much more value. This is the way that Jesus taught. So the largest to the smallest brings out the message in a more defining way. This teaching was intended to show the contrast between these two things. So why camels, why needles? Maybe you're like, yeah, I've heard that saying. I've heard that before, but I've never really understood what it meant. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. What does it actually mean? Well, it's actually Jesus was leaning in to a cultural understanding at the time. Transit, transport, one way was with camels. One way was to use this mode of transport. So he wanted to use one understanding over here and then one over here being the eye of a needle. And the eye of a needle, we understand it and we, we are assured that that's just a metaphor, and it is, but the reference to the camel is actually about access through something. And when visitors would enter cities at the time of Jesus and around that time, they were showing a small entrance at the city of one of the gates, either at Jerusalem or another eastern city. And so this is the interpretation. This is one of the ways that scholars believe this is interpreted, is that, that someone would come to a city gate at that time. And if the gate was closed, especially if they had an, an animal that was carrying everything they had fully loaded up, if the gate was closed, they wouldn't be able to go through. And they would have to go all the way around the back to the other gate. It was almost like a service entrance, and hopefully that was open. But if not, then there was no way to get through to the city. He could, the, the, the visitor could dismount and potentially get through the small entrance on foot, but there is no way for the camel to get through, especially if it's loaded up. So the person must wait for the main gate to be opened to let it through. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He's teaching about the access into the kingdom that you and I have through Jesus. Even a small camel, unloaded, if it tried to get through the smaller entrance, it would be in danger of getting stuck halfway. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> so it was ordinarily impossible for a camel to get through such a narrow opening, but no, not so ridiculously impossible as for anyone to try to get through the eye of a needle. This was contrast teaching. For the camel was the largest beast of burden known in Palestine at the time. And the needle was the smallest example of access or opening or entry. So why this teaching? Why this hard teaching? So there's camels and needles. Now, what has it got to do with money, Jesus? What, what's the point here? Why are you making such a big deal of this when it comes to this rich young man? And now you're talking about camels and now you're talking about needles. What does it mean? Okay, number one, here we go. This is the teaching. Number one, riches are untrustworthy. Come on, write it down. This is the teaching of Jesus. What are you saying? He's saying riches, they're untrustworthy. Here's this young man coming to him, saying, I got it all together. How do I get into heaven? 
You know, there's a big difference between riches and blessing. The Bible makes a distinction, a big distinction. There's a spiritual difference between riches and blessing. Let me show you a few verses. Proverbs 11 and verse 28. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So the Apostle Paul, he says, remember the uncertainty of riches. So that's riches. Let me show you blessing. There's a big difference between riches and blessing, the blessing of God, Proverbs 10 and verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. I've been sharing stories a little bit through this series, but I I can honestly say, I can stand up and tell you right here that when I was a young man, I wanted to be rich. Now, having followed Jesus for a while, I want to be blessed. I'm going to preach this morning. I used to want to be rich because I thought that's what I wanted. And then I met Jesus and I started following Jesus. And then now I stand here today. I'm like, man, I don't want riches. I want to be blessed. And can I encourage you today? If you're seeking the good life, can I encourage you? You'll find it in Jesus and then you'll get everything else. Riches are untrustworthy. And here's why. Because riches have a spirit attached to them. It's called mammon. Okay, and this is a different message. But the spirit of mammon is deceptive. It's a prideful Babylonian spirit. That's riches. And to trust in those riches is wrong. But blessing is bestowed upon the children of God. And that's given to us by the Holy Spirit in power. And that's why, listen to me, friend, online, listen to me. That's why it can't be taken away. Riches, they can go. Trusting in riches, man, that's, that's a bad idea, Jesus says, because that's not gonna get you anywhere you need to go. That's not gonna get you the access into the city of God that you need to be in. Riches are untrustworthy, but the blessing of God can never be taken away. I'd love it if you could write this down. Jesus has no problem with you having money. He just has a problem with money having you. See, Jesus has got no problem with you having money. In fact, there are scriptures that I could show you where he says, use that unrighteous mammon to make friends for yourself in heaven, okay? Jesus has no issues with you having money. But man, has he got a problem with that money having you? You better believe it. Why? Because he knows. Jesus, he's our great teacher. There's no one better than Jesus to teach us what we need to know. Jesus knows the spirits that are at work here. He knows that riches, which is a Babylonian, prideful, egotistical spirit, 
which is which edges God slowly out of the picture. You ever met someone that was madly and passionately in love and following God and they were broke? And they started to see some success. And they started to see some financial resource come in. And then, I don't know, decade later, you turn around, and you're like, man, they're not as fired up about God as they used to be. There's, there's not that desperation for God that there used to be. This is what Jesus is teaching us. Slowly but surely, if we're not careful, the camel called our life can get loaded up. And we can start to look around at the things we have and be like, man, this is good. This is comfortable. I like this. But then we hit the small gate and we can't get through. Jesus has no problem with you having money. He just has a problem with money having you. So what's the solution? Honor God with your finances. What's the solution? Bring God the tithe every time you get paid. Take your finances underneath the curse of this world. Bring it under the blessing of God. See, Jesus got no problem with you having money. But he knows the potential of riches and what it can do to us in our lives. A shift in trust, slowly but surely, from God to the spirit of riches. This is what Jesus is teaching about. He's saying it's a lie because Jesus, because riches can't do anything for you when it comes to eternity. When you enter the city, when you get to the gate, the riches that you're trusting in, they're not gonna give you the access into the city you're supposed to go to and that you're called to be in. So the question this morning is this. It's not about whether or not you have money, it's just how quickly you're willing to depart from it to keep following Jesus. See, Jesus, he didn't say to the rich young ruler, he didn't say, man, are you, are you, do you have money? Are you loaded? He didn't say, hey, can we sit down and discuss your portfolio? Where's your exposure in real estate right now? Let's talk about that. You know, I got some, I got some in Judea. I've got some over here. I've got some, you know, got diversified. He didn't ask the guy if he got money. He knew that he had money. He knew that he had so much money that it was ruling him. So what he said was, there's one thing you lack. Go deal with that. Go take care of that. And the scripture says that he walked away crestfallen. He walked away sad. So the teaching is not, man, do you have money? The teaching is, how willing are you to depart from it to follow Jesus? Jesus has no issue with you having money, but man, does he know the power if it has you. How quickly are you willing to depart from your possessions, from your wealth, from your things, from the established things in your life? How willing, how quickly, what expediency is there in your life when Jesus says, go here, will you go? Or will you turn around and say, man, I need to take care of my portfolio. I need to take care of my stuff. I need to take care of the things that are nice. Man, I, I had a vacation coming up. How quickly will you depart from these things to follow Jesus? Because Jesus always knows what's best for you because he is your great teacher. He is my 
great teacher, according to Jesus' teaching. It's what one commentator said. It was very difficult for people who had riches to, to not trust in them. They would show whether they trusted in riches or not by their readiness to part with them. So number one, riches are untrustworthy. You ready? Number two, Jesus is trustworthy. <laughs> I just leave it right there. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> Riches are untrustworthy, but Jesus is fully trustworthy. See, this teaching is a clarifying moment for the disciples in the Scriptures because the disciples, the Talmudim, they respond in this moment. The listeners at the time, the Talmudim, they were dismayed by this teaching. Here's a guy who has it all. Here's a guy who's socially elite. Here's a guy who has all the pedigree, all the right standing in the community, all even with the religious leaders. He is good. And Jesus says, he's not good. And they say, well, wait a minute. Jesus is bringing out again the radical nature of what it means to follow him, to be a disciple, to be a Talmudim. Then who can be saved, they asked. Verse 26, they were exceedingly astonished astonished, and said to him, then who can be saved? If this guy doesn't stand a chance, who can be saved, Jesus? Being saved in the gospel is a synonym for entering the kingdom of God and inheriting eternal life. The disciples themselves were not affluent. So Peter spoke for the others when he said, verse 28, he said, we have left everything and followed you, Jesus. Just imagine the disciples in that moment, this crew and their backgrounds and their cultural standing and their lack of social eliteness. Seeing this rich young ruler go off and Peter's there and he's like, we left everything to follow you, Jesus. And what they're saying is, what does this mean for people like us? What does this mean for people in our position? If that guy's not got a chance, what about us? Well, Jesus responds and he says, truly I say to you, verse 29, come on. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus was bringing a true clarity to what salvation looks like. That's why he said in Matthew 7 and verse 14, remember the gate and the camel? He said, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus is all you need to get into heaven to access all the benefits of heaven, to enter into the city and the gate of God, to go into his presence. All you need is Jesus, all the stuff of this life, all the things that we accumulate, all the stuff that ends up in our storage units, all the places we wanna go, all the things that we have, the nice comforts of this life, they mean nothing. What Jesus is saying is this, and I would love for you to write this down, riches are fake, but I am real. 
You know what he said to the rich young ruler? He said, trade and sell what is fake and buy what is real. Do the trade. Lock it in. Crystallize the profit of heaven now. Sell what's fake. That stuff you have, that pedigree you have, that name you have, your political connections you have, all means nothing. But me, come walk with me. Jesus is all we need to access heaven, to inherit eternal life, to walk with free access unencumbered into the city of God, to embrace the gospel, to embrace Jesus only is all that we need. Riches are fake. Jesus is real. And that's the teaching in Jesus' name. You received that this morning? Come on, why don't we stand? I'd love to take a moment. You know, I feel like there's something in this for all of us. You know, I talked before about the person that you know that when they kind of had nothing, they were on fire for God. And then life begins to happen and stuff begins to get attached to us and success comes and maybe it is wealth, maybe it is possessions, maybe it is stuff that enters into our life, but things start to get a little bit cloudy. And I sense in the Spirit as I was saying that, that there might be people in this room who are like, you know what, that's actually me. That's actually me. I used to be a lot more on fire for God and then I kind of got comfortable. Online as well, maybe you're watching this and you're having the same thought. Can I encourage you that that's okay? Jesus told all these stories for us so we could get better. So we could at moments have those clarifying moments just like the disciples to decide, nah, yeah, I've kind of got it all wrong. And we come before the Lord and we repent. We say, God, I can't believe I put all my focus in these things and I just, I'm sorry. You can do that right now. You can say to the things of this world, no, Jesus, I want you. So I don't want anyone in this room to feel condemned because like you have some stuff or you've done some stuff or you've been some places and things are good right now. I don't want anyone to feel like that. But I just don't want anyone to lose sight of Jesus. That's the point of the teaching. So here's what I'd like to do. I just want to take a moment. We've got a bit of time here. I want to pray specifically for people that maybe have lost their way when it comes to this stuff and you know, and then we're going to sing this song, None But Jesus. That all my delight is in you. All of my strength is in you. And so after we pray, we're going to sing this song. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to descend on you and He's going to fill you and show you and remind you of your conviction, your Holy Spirit conviction in a God who loves you, who cares for you, will take care of things today, will take care of things tomorrow, will take care of things for eternity. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd just like to pray. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you right now, you just lift up your hand. I'm not gonna hype this up. I'm not gonna push for anything. I'm not gonna, but if you feel like this is you and you've maybe lost your way a little bit or you feel like you're a little bit off track, you feel like things are kind of creeped in and the focus is gone. Or maybe for you in your heart, it's just a reprioritization. You just don't wanna go for those things anymore. You wanna make sure Jesus stays what you go for. 
You lift your hand as well. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Yeah, that's awesome. Heavenly Father, you see these hands that are raised. You see our hearts that are open. And God, we give you the glory in our lives right now. We ask that you would come in and use this teaching to speak to us. Use these words of Jesus to to illuminate truth to us, to help us to set our lives and our focus and our compass back on you, God. So Father, I just thank you that there are coordinates being reset right now in in people's lives in Jesus' Name. God, I pray right now that through the power of your Spirit that we would break off any attachments to mammon, any attachments that have formed to riches. Lord, we thank you that there's only certainty in Jesus. And we declare that over our lives. And God, I just thank you as we prioritise you. Lord, we can have hope. We can be. We can set our eyes on you right now, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's sing. Come on. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.